We thank you for the power of your spirit. We thank you for your spirit that we feel even right now. I pray for personal revelation. I thank you for these people that are giving their all. And I, and I have faith to believe that there are others that are yearning to step up. And that they're going to step up. I pray today for anyone that is in this building or listening by webcast that have not been born again. That they would make the decision to be born again. And that they would make that decision in the next couple of hours. Let it be done in Jesus' name. And can the church say amen? Amen. God bless you as you're seated. This has been quite a troubling week for our country. And the next couple of weeks, for sure, it only looks like it's going to intensify. We've seen sights that we've, that we've never seen. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I will say that a divided nation needs unified people, unified families, and most definitely a unified church. So you may say, uh, preacher, then that sounds like a, that sounds like a big, a big task. What, what can I do about it? We can pray. And we can unite like we never have before. What we can do is we can get a laser focus on the king and the kingdom. And remember that it's kingdom over country. It's kingdom over country. It's kingdom over country. That has to burn within us. We have to have a revelation of this that... It's the kingdom of God above the country that we're living in. I will read from two chapters, but neither of these are my text. I usually don't approach a message like this, but this is what I felt to do. John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Speaking of disciples, not a denomination. Speaking of disciples, not just faithful church attenders. The issue is love. The issue is active love. 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of how if we literally give our bodies to be burned, but have not love, it profits us nothing. The word is literally saying you can willingly suffer a sacrificial death and do that without love and it will profit nothing. If a sacrificial death will profit nothing, then we know that a sacrificial life will profit nothing either without love. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Good works. In other words, we are challenged to do good works in, in a manner that glorifies God and not us. And this is a major challenge in, in this day because our flesh loves credit. 
mine does, yours does. It's just a part of human nature that we all have to fight. So with all this in mind, how our discipleship is proven by active love, how our good works must be done in a manner that brings glory to God and not to us, and how we must be more unified now than, than ever, 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 ever before. I'd like for you to seriously consider this subject, the log, the splinter, and the stone. The log. The splinter. And the stone. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Why beholdest thou the mote or the splinter that's in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam or the log that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote or the splinter out of thine eye, and behold, a beam or a log is in thine own eye. Thy hypocrite. First cast out the beam or the log out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote or the splinter out of thy brother's eye. Then John 8 and 7 is the story of the adulterous woman that was, that was caught in the act of adultery and thrown at the feet of Jesus. So when they continuing ask him, they, these bloodthirsty people wanted to kill her, he lifted up himself and said unto thee, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. The log, the splinter, and the stone. This is what I realize about my own life. I cannot change my country. I cannot change my state. I can't even change my city. I can't even change my neighborhood. I can't even change my neighbor. I can't even change my family. I can't even change my spouse. I can't even change my children under my own power. I can't. But with the help of God, I can change myself. I can change myself. I can judge myself, and, and then when I have judged, and as I judge myself, then I can redemptively help others. And in all things, I can refuse to ever throw a stone. So I can judge myself, and, and I can work on this, and, and then when I do that, then I can help with this, but I will never do this. Let's talk about the log. 
The message of the log is this. It's, it rings true throughout the Word of God. It's take heed to thyself. Focus on your own sin. Focus on my own shortcomings. This has got to be my, my chief concern of my life, of keeping me ready to stand before God. We all need the spirit of, of Nathan the prophet to speak to us individually. The Spirit of God sent Nathan to King David. King David, a very powerful man that could have had him killed. The prophet knew that. And the prophet goes to King David and, and he starts speaking to him. And, and he spoke of, of a hidden sin. And the answer was, thou art the man. You're the man. David was literally enraged over someone else's perceived splinter. Perceived splinter. He, he was ready to kill that individual because he perceived this splinter. And so the word goes, well, perception is reality. But the truth is, Perception is only truly reality if reality is being perceived. And so, perception, reality, and the reality was, David, you're perceiving a splinter, and you're looking over a log. Thou art the man. And so I believe that the message from the log today is please deal with the sin in your personal lives. The Spirit is speaking this. He's, the Spirit is speaking this through multiple voices at New Life. Pastors dealt with it in the, the last few messages in, in one way or another. And then that powerful communion message. The Spirit is saying to repent. The Spirit is wanting us to position ourselves to where we're not thinking about anybody else in our family. We're not, we're not thinking about any other human on earth. And we're just saying, God, would you reveal to me anything in my life, big, medium, or little, that does not please you? God, if I was standing in front of you right now, what would you say? Don't go easy on yourself. It's, it's not time to go easy on yourself. It's time to dig down and deal with everything. It's time to deal with, with all of the logs in our eye. The, the big sins that we know. It's, it's time to even dig down and dig out the logs of, of insecurity and control. It's time for, for us to, to quit allowing people who have no authority over our lives and have no decision-making power at all in our day-to-day -day life to keep us upset. It's not time. It's, it's not time to allow pettiness to frustrate us. 
We're, we're at a time now to where we have to have the spirit of discernment, and, and we need it working alive in our lives. If you've not prayed lately for the spirit of discernment, start praying for the spirit of discernment, that you'll be able to discern immediately what I should allow emotional energy for, what I should allow time for, and what I should not. What we need to do is we need to be very good at, at visualizing a sheet of paper in our head with a line drawn down the middle. And on the left side, it reads, I can prayerfully take action. And on the right side, it says, I can only pray. And when we have situations come up in our life, we need the spirit of discernment to work in us and be in such a healthy manner that we immediately decide, I can, I can pray and prayerfully take action on this. I can only I can only pray about this and then let it be where it is. Because petty, non-kingdom advancing battles are just distractions. They're smoke screens of the enemy. They're keeping us from investing our time and our lives where it needs to be. And that is with the king and expanding the kingdom. That's the message of the log. And the key to focusing on our own log in our own eye is praying for an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. If it's not going to matter in eternity, why are we letting it drive us crazy today? Back many years ago, whenever I was a youth pastor, I was, I was telling the young people, I was telling them this, that if a fire can burn it up, it's not worth getting all worked up about. If you can set fire to it and burn it up, it is not eternal. And so, Log, please speak to us today. Then we move to the splinter. What a difference in size. Matthew 7 and 5 Thy hypocrite first cast out the beam, the log out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat or the splinter out of thy brother's eye. Splinters must be eliminated. The splinter ministry is a part of the ministry of the body of Christ. It has its place. People will just say, well, judge not. Haven't you read the Bible? Judge not that ye be not judged. That is as uninformed as saying all you have to do is believe to be saved. Because in the context of this, it is saying that the splinter ministry is a ministry of the body of Christ. And the biggest part of the splinter ministry happens when the pastor goes in the pulpit. But I have found that, that when I get something in my eye, I need help getting it out. I've also found, and I won't talk this story a lot, but I won't waste much time, but, but I'm not just going to ask anybody to do work in my eye. The first person that I'm fine with getting, digging around in my eye is Melanie. You know why? 
Because I trust her. There's a major connection with the splinter ministry and trust. And so God help us to not go around trying to dig in people's eyes. It's very vital. The splinter ministry is very vital. But it can only be effectively carried out by people who are working consistently on the logs in their own eyes. We can't allow someone to speak in our life. If we can't allow someone to speak in our life, we can't grow in the kingdom. And so I only ask this, do you see the size of this? And do you see the size of this? Then proportionately invest time. The stone. God help us all here. This is the big one. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so the truth is, words can kill us. Because words are just like stones. I have literally seen people emotionally and spiritually stoned near to death and to death by people who at one time in their life had been born again. And some were still faithful to church when services took place. God help us. This, this should have never been. Should have never happened. It, it should never happen. But, but please hear me when I say, moving forward from today, God help us. It can't happen. It can't happen. I've heard people that have been born again at one point make statements like, well, someone who commits such and such sin can't be saved. And I've heard other comments that in the uh, atmosphere of our world right now, I won't even make over this, this pulpit. But I don't know what God they're serving. They're not serving my God. They're not serving my God. My God can change anybody. You say, well, the Bible says, can a leopard change his spots? There's no way that a leopard can change his spots. But the question is not, is it impossible? It's can a leopard do it himself? Or herself. No. But God could wash it white. God could turn it into a zebra. There, there are no limitations to, to what God can do. We see Jesus dying on the cross and we see Stephen being stoned to death. These, these two examples leave us monumental examples of forgiveness. And those are the examples, and we must, we must move to meet that. Stones. The woman caught in adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus. Jesus literally utters these life-giving words. He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And they drop their stones and don't miss this. I'm, I heard this mentioned from this pulpit, I think, in the last few weeks. 
But it's very significant who the first ones were that dropped their stones. The eldest. The eldest. The eldest set the example of dropping the stone. And it can be a real struggle for, for elders. And I consider myself in that category now. It's really hard for me, but it is what it is. And it can be a real struggle because the older we are, the more we know. The older we are, the more we've seen. The older we are, the more we understand. And the older that I am, the more I can justify the reason to strike. So I say to the junior hires, the children are watching. So I say to the senior hires, the junior hires are watching. So I say to the college age, the juniors and seniors are watching. And, and to the young marrieds, the college age is watching. And to the older marrieds, the younger marrieds are watching. And to the elders, I say, everyone's watching. Everyone's watching. And so every one of us should, but, but for heaven's sake, elders, drop the stone. Let's set an example of dropping stones and never, ever, ever throwing one. Ever throwing one. Ever. Ever throwing a stone. These are two convicting verses for me, for sure. Especially today in the United States. In Jude, verses 8 and 9. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. But we have to remember Romans 13 and 1 that the powers that be are ordained of God. And then we have to remember Titus 3 and 2 that God requires us to speak evil of no man. Then we move to verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. I've always said for, for many, many years, I've always said, I sure hope God comes in January a couple of days after the big football weekend. Because once people get through Christmas and they get through New Year's and then they get off of football for a little bit, the most amount of people start praying and fasting. And so I've always said, God, it'd sure be nice if you'd come right there. I'm not praying that this year. Because we got a lot of angry people now. We got a lot of angry people. I'm, I'm glad God didn't come this week. I know the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. And we should be angry about spirits that are coming against us. But God help us, church. It's kingdom over country, church. We have to face the king. Not a president. Not, not a senator. We, we have to face the king. 
the log, the splinter, and the stone. The call is clear and the mission is vast. And only through the help of God will, will it be doable. But I share with you now the key and what all this leads to, and that's unity. When the Ethiopian church several years ago, I don't know how many of you have ever read or heard about the powerful outbreak of the Spirit and the Ethiopian church uh, several years ago. When all that broke loose, people years later asked the leaders of that church, how did that happen? What, what did you do? And they said this, we didn't pray for revival. We prayed for unity. We, we didn't pray for, for strategy. We prayed for unity. I challenge us to intently look for reasons to agree and not easy reasons to disagree. I challenge us, please, church, please, new life. Look for reasons to agree. Is there somebody that may aggravate us? Somebody that may just get on our nerves? Is there, is there 5% that we can connect to? Is, is there 10%? Is there 15? Is there something that, that we can look for in agreement? And then if it's a situation where we have to do some work, to because we have to work together. Can we think agreement first? Can we put on agreement glasses? We may even have to put on agreement uh, binoculars to find it. I don't know what we may have to put on, but we must be unified. There is a call by the Spirit going to the church today that we must be unified. Unity of the body is critical, and, and it must be elevated above my personal preference. In Genesis 13 and 8, and I didn't give some of these scriptures to, to them, so don't worry about the screens, but in Genesis 13 and 8, Abram to Lot, those of us that are reading through the one-year Bible, you read this this week, it jumped out at me because this message was on, on my, my heart when Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between us. We are brethren. We are brethren. Let there be no strife between us. We're, we're brethren. You may have a preference. I may have a preference, but we are brethren. And I believe that the mediatorial prayer of Jesus Christ would be something that should be ringing in our hearts and minds right now, that we may be one. That we may be one. We must have it. New life, we must have it. You say, is there disunity in this church? And I don't know about it. If there's disunity in this church, I don't know about it. But I can tell you that the best time to talk about unity is when you don't have a big problem. The best time to drive things home and say, hey, everybody, you know, good. Good job for the most part. Now, I'm sure there's things between people and all that needs to be worked out and people need to pray through and get over their pride and fix it. I understand that. But as a church, we're not dealing with, with a disunity situation. We're just going into days right now where we realize the necessity of unity. 
And we've got to drive the stake down and drive it far. Unity must be cherished and we cannot control the chaos out there. But you can believe that the chaos out there is trying to get in here. And the hatred out there is trying to get in here. The division out there is trying to get in here. And the reason why that the enemy is so serious about it is because a kingdom, because the enemy can stand on the word of God, that a kingdom, a family, even an individual divided against itself cannot stand. It cannot stand. So what does a messed up world need? Needs a unified church. We've got to unite under the vision of our called and anointed pastor like we never have before. Now, New Life, hear me. Please hear me. Whenever I realized what all was going on, I thought, oh, oh my, my, he, he needs to be in the pulpit today and not me. And then I realized that, that God had his hand in all of it. Because I want to say some things right now that he might not say. And if I say anything that you don't agree with, put it on me and not him. But he needs to be able to walk to this pulpit in these days. And to be able to stand and preach what the word of God has said to him. And fear nobody. In the days that we're headed in, the days that we're in right now. Now, now God has raised up new life, right? We all knew it, didn't we? We've all felt it, hadn't we? Well, guess what? Today's the day. You say, well, what's so special about today? If we can't look at what's happening in our world this week and the pictures that we've seen that we've never seen in our life and think, oh, man, wow, every, everything's just going to go back to normal. People who are thinking things are going to go back to normal need to have their head examined. So, so what can we do about it? We can position ourselves to where the man of God can walk to this pulpit and say whatever he needs to say. Whoever agrees with it. Whoever doesn't agree with it. And literally, as he's preaching, he needs to feel the unity of the body making the shift. And save your emails if you don't like something he says. As a matter of fact, God help you if you send them. We have a man who fasts and prays. I don't know too many men that fast any more than our pastor fast. I don't, is he perfect? No, he's not perfect. Did he tell me to say any of this? No, he didn't tell me any of this. I'm just saying, I know the days that we're in and I know what it's going to take 
to not just survive but thrive the way that God intends this church to thrive. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to position ourselves to be ready to move with the cloud. Move with the cloud. And many times, God, God didn't say to Moses, Hey, Moses, in two weeks, the cloud's moving. In three weeks, the cloud's moving. So this is going to give you time to run it through all your calendars. This is going to give you time to make sure that, that, that people might not take vacations. This is going, no, 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 none, none of that. It was, I will move my cloud when I want to move my cloud. And everybody better have their eyes on the cloud. And everybody better be listening to the man of God who is watching the cloud. And then we got to move with the cloud. We got to move with it. He's got to be able to make decisions as needed. In church services, in home services. If, if we're able to meet in church, thank God. If, if we meet in the homes, then we just got to meet in the homes. I've, I got to hurry, but, but I, I do want to share this. There's a fundamental flaw that we, in our minds, judge the success of a church by the percentage of the building that is filled once or twice on a Sunday. When that shift happened decades ago, we lost. God never intended for the success of a church to be defined by the percentage of people that were inside one building on one day. And what God has got to give us is we've got to get a revelation of regional dominion. So if we're able to meet this week, great. If we're in our homes this next week, then the church should be just as powerful when we're in our homes than when we're in our buildings. It's the day that we're in. If we can have youth and children's services, good. If, if we can't, then, then we can't. There's, there's no sense, no sense griping about it. I, I saw the Miller family last Sunday. You were in here. You were on about that second, second row and you were all settled in good. Every one of you were there and, uh, and there were people that needed your seat. And the ushers came down, and I just saw them. They, they didn't fuss. I was standing right there. I was right there. I was watching the whole thing. They were already worshiping. They were already into the service, but their seats were needed. And so the ushers come down, and they just grabbed their stuff and headed out, I guess, to the fellowship hall. Is that where y'all ended up? To, to worship out there. Thank you. Because in the day that we're in, that's what we're going to have to do. There, there's just, there's just not time. As soon as you were leaving, I asked Derek, hey man, I'll stand on the back wall. You need, what, what do you need? Put me wherever. I don't have to be up front. I don't care about being up front. I'll be in the fellowship hall. I'll be in the atrium. I'll, I'll be at home online. I don't care. That's not important. 
It's important that our guests are here. It's important that our new converts are here. It's our, it's very important for people that, that are early in their faith. It's very important that they're here. But are you kidding me? Having pastor concerned about having to move veterans to another part of the church. My God, have mercy. Talking about not being ready to uh, run with the horses. I'll tell you how we're going to have to live, and I'm hurrying. I'll tell you how we're going to have to live. If our phones go ding ling whatever that thing is, where we get a message from the office, the phone tree thing, and it's, hey, New Life family, this is uh, Pastor Harpo. I feel led that as many of us can, we need to meet at the church tonight at 7 o'clock for a time of prayer. I, I just feel that in the Spirit. Do you know what that would mean to every one of us? Unless we were on a job working, unless we were teaching somebody a Bible study, unless we were uh, absolutely in a situation that, that we could not be here, we'd be here at 7 o'clock on that night with three hours notice, with four hours notice, with five hours notice. Why? Because the man of God is feeling the Spirit saying something, and we've got to respond. God help us. It's time for us to be what we've never been. I'll tell you what I wish. I wish some Sunday that he would just walk to the pulpit and just start praying. We, we, were, we were down in the whatevers during COVID. I, I don't remember how many of you were here on that Wednesday night when he got through preaching and he's just started praying. I can tell you, if you were inside this building, that was the day the Spirit broke. That was the moment. There's been a couple of other times lately. Are you just glorifying Him? No, I'm not glorifying Him. I am definitely honoring the position that, that He is in. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And it'll be fine with me if He just walks to the pulpit and just starts reading Scripture and says, now I just feel that we need to pray. It'll be, let's release Him totally. Release Him totally. It's a new day. Logs, yes. Splinters, sometimes. Prayerfully, carefully. Stones, never. And so you put this together and you get unity. But sustained unity demands maturity. Maturity demands meat, not milk. Milk is needed for a baby until about four to seven months, or give or take a little, whatever. Then some pureed meat is introduced and moving to solid food. Uh, about the time the baby can start setting up a little on its own and a little control of its head and can lean forward a little bit to get food, okay, we've got some good signs here that, that it's time to start introducing some solid food. How many of you 
have been born again longer than seven months, would you raise your hand? How many of you longer than one year? Put your hands down. Some of your hands are going to get tired. How many of you six years or more? 13 years or more? 18 years or more? 21. 21 years or more. I won't go any further. New life, for the most part, is supposed to be a mature church. For the most part, there, there's a lot of maturity. It's time now to prove it. It's time now to prove it. We don't know what the next two weeks hold. And we can't just stop it at two weeks. I mean, people can keep their head in the sand all, all they want. That's, I mean, that's fine. I, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. But it's time now. It's time now. It's time now for unity like we've never had to move into maturity like we've never had and to establish the mature connecting with the immature so the immature can become mature and we can keep this process going. It's called World Harvest. And we're responsible for this area. As we stand together right now, the prayer today will be about the log. It'll be about the splinter. It'll be about the stone. It'll ultimately about, be about unity and maturity. And I pray to God that the Spirit has, has pricked somebody's heart to where you see individually what needs to happen and what change needs to be. But we have to be unified like we never have been before. We don't really have room to, to step out there would be a, a few people who, who could. But I want us to pray right now for what is in our life. Can we do that? Can, can we have this prayer right now? Father, we come. Father, we come. <clears throat> oh, God. Let us respond to the, to the spirit of the prophet when he said to David, Thou art the man. Help us, God, now to do the hard work. The hard work. But with, with your spirit, it's doable. And God, I pray right now against the deceptive spirit that the people would think that they have to do more on their own than they're able to do on their own. You will empower. You will empower. You will empower. Forgive us, God. Forgive us. I'd like for us to, to pray for the, for the splinter.
God would give us wisdom. God would, would help us to be willing to open, open our heart, our mind when the word goes forth from the pulpit or, or, or people that, that have authority in our life or, or close friends. God help us to yield to the, to the splinter ministry. Help us to yield to it. God, I pray there are a lot of people that are closed up and they, they don't want anybody saying anything to them. And many times that comes from years of hurt. Years of hurt closes people up. God, I pray that, that there will be a work of the Spirit where they will want the ministry of the body. That they will want the ministry of the body. Can we pray right now about stones? Can we pray right now about stones? Father, God, I have been guilty of throwing stones. I have thrown stones. God, I pray. I pray that I will never again throw one. God, I pray for people right now that because of pain and because of many things that they've, they feel like they've had to throw stones to survive. And I pray that there will be a revelation. That there will be a revelation to them.